Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Squadrons podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. What's up, guys? Squadrons. What did I, did I mess something Squadrons? up? No, Sorry. it's great. It's great. We've got we've got lots of stuff to talk about. Mostly not Legion related, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, upside, we're recording the pod- podcast. Downside, when we're recording a podcast, that means we're not playing squadrons. <laughs> Vanguard right? Five standing by. Right when when uh, when I was like making a little bit of fun and being like, oh, we're gonna be on it like midnight on Friday or whatever, ready to go. Um, we weren't on at midnight, but or at least I wasn't. But all of us, all four of us, <laughs> were squatted up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights, um, and flew as the notorious scoundrels, man. And um, that sort of happened pretty organically, which was cool. Like that was not something we planned, um, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it's so fun. So for those wanting to hear some Legion content. We will get to it at some point on this episode. <laughs> I'm sure we'll timestamp it. But this is going to be an all-squadrons opening. So, Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that squadrons happened this weekend. I'm sure many of our listeners played it because it is a Star Wars game and it's all the hotness right now. Yeah, it's super fun. I, it's even like, it's so funny because I'm, I'm only going to speak for myself here. I'm terrible at it, as I expected I would be. <laughs> but... It's still really fun because you're flying a spaceship, you're hanging out with your friends, you know. I don't know. It's kind of like a it's kind of a funny story how this came for me because I mean, obviously it's been hyped up for a long time. You guys have been hyping it up and everyone's been hyping it up. And um I gave my PlayStation to my dad cuz he wanted to play NHL and since I have the kids, I I really haven't played a, a video game console other than the Switch, which I, I don't really count as a video game uh, console. Um so like Friday morning, I'm seriously like thinking to myself, fear of missing out or FOMO, which Kyle, if I said it before explaining it, he might not have known. So I just started getting like this serious FOMO and like, like 11 o'clock in the morning, I work with my dad. I'm like, dad, I need to run to Walmart. Uh, I usually don't do this, but I need to run to Walmart to grab squadrons because I'm afraid it might sell up. And the reason why I wanted to go get the hard copy was so it could download quickly to the PlayStation and then I'd have to, you know, download it later that night because I then had to go to my parents' house to pick up my PlayStation to bring it home and set it up. So I went from not buying the game to the game releasing and me being, okay, I need this game to then like sinking in hours with you guys and also uh, like buying a definitely an inflated priced joystick for my playstation as well because playing on a controller is hard as heck um so while kyle says he sucks i also suck but we we do find ways to win i you know we work well as a team and i think that probably stems from the podcast and hanging out you know on monday nights uh we have a lot of good communication and while we might suck we still win mike doesn't suck but you know kyle and i suck (laughs) 
I just play a support ship, so you know I can kind of fly generally in the direction of my team and hit left auxiliary repeatedly. That's. It's, I just came up with my 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 uh, calling my my uh, squadron calling name. It's going to be icy hot because there's going to be games where I'm ice cold, and there's going to be games where I go hot and I get like 20 kills, and I'm just like guys, I got 20 kills, and uh, Mike's over here like yeah, Zach, I got like 33. Well, I mean to be fair, I think the roles that we all have are significantly different. Like I am clearly like a dedicated interceptor pilot. I'm supposed to have 30 kills in a game, right? Like that's like that's my job. If I don't have 30 kills, I probably did something wrong. Whereas you guys are like flying bombers and X-wings and stuff like you guys are doing different things. My literally the only thing I'm doing is um <laughs> shooting down noobs. Uh so <laughs> you know, I uh no, it's been super fun. Um, I uh, I haven't played a video game where I've had this high a KDR in a long time. <laughs> I mean, I will I will say that a lot of the things that you learn in Legion kind of can play into squadrons. I know that sounds crazy, but yeah, you're gonna have is, to explain that to me. Cause... Well, it's just I think back when I was not playing war games, say, and I wouldn't think of the attrition that I, in the way that I do now pertaining to Legion, I think we can all agree that squadrons can be a very attritiony game and so can Legion. And without me, like without me having the experiences that I have had with Legion, I probably would not understand that aspect of, of squadrons. And I would not understand how important my blowing up, in an A-wing would be while we're trying to take the advantage back from the other team. Like I would have that understanding, but it wouldn't be at the level that it is now. Yeah. So basically for those that haven't played squadrons, uh, there's a morale mechanic in each phase where you have an attacker and defender and you don't switch from attacker to defender until the morale bar goes that direction. And you get that way by getting kills. So if you die, then you cost your team morale and you could end up as defender from attacker and vice versa. So, yeah. So like the, the way, if you're playing squadrons, the one way to instantly improve fleet battles is uh, try to look at how many red pips there are in front of you versus white pips. And if there's more red pips than white pips, don't run into the red pips. Yep. Like don't go in alone. Like yep. that's just a way to lose fast or go save your buddies. Come on guys. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's like a couple of white pips up there and there's four red pips, then yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Get in there. Get in there. Yeah. But it's again, you know, don't don't and don't like just zoom right at the starter shore. Okay. So what you're saying is, if you see one white pip and you see five red pips, that is operative Luke Skywalker walking into clones. Uh, yes. I mean, it, that's an it's interesting actually, analogy. That's actually where I thought you were headed with your like is like Legion <laughs> analogy was that like you know. Oh man, we're on ten percent. Uh, what are, what is it called? Morale, morale, or morale. whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I'm taking my A wing and I'm going in alone. Right? That's that's basically the equivalent of like, you know, we're playing sabotage the moisture evaporators, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get in there. You know, <laughs> like it's you're basically doing the same thing, and and that is losing the game. Yep. Yeah, it's okay to like. <laughs> Go back to your capital ships and be like, I'm going to wait for you other guys while you respawn. It's yeah. cool. I uh, I saw a pretty sweet YouTube video today. It was like, um, it was like three Y-Wings, 
and like two X-wings, and they like literally made a bombing run on a star destroyer. Like it was like, it it was like actual bombing run. Like they were like in formation, formation and they like you know they did like you know they they buzzed the tower, if you will. Um, and I would like to do more of that. I think that that's really cool. Like we're we're definitely not coordinated enough to be like, okay, get on my wing. We're going in together, right? We're all just sort of like, all right, go, and like we all sort of end up in a you know, the, the dogfight heap, if you will. Um, well, one one interesting gameplay choice the, the developers made was that they actually decided to get rid of the rear-facing radar. Like, the old games from the late 90s all had rear radar, and none of the squadron ships have rear-facing radar. They're really, like, trying to make free look a thing for the VR players, and I think VR players will have a big advantage because they're able to free look. Um, it, it isn't really a problem when you have a rear radar, but now, you know, if you're a PC player, you're kind of locked into that front view and you can free look, but you have to like do it through a context menu. And that's just so like, it takes too much time, you know, you only have, you you have like milliseconds in some situations, (laughs) you know, it's really fast. I played a couple of the story mode missions in VR. It is... It is dope as all get out. It is the coolest thing I think I've ever played, like on a computer or a console or any of that stuff. Um, it was a little buggy. It like started kind of like there, there was some FPS issues that I think they're working through. But like I can see if you've got like a VR headset and a Hotas, um, that uh, that I mean it's the experience. I do think. Uh, mouse and keyboard players have a significant advantage. But, you mean just as, as far as tracking and such is concerned? Yeah, I I think that um, there's a lot like, you know, Zach, you were talking about like zipping around asteroids and stuff with your controller. I I think with a joystick it's probably better, but with a mouse it's like, you know, I'm bobbing in and out and like I remember playing some of the old like space sims with a joystick. It's still hard to like write your ship when you're going a certain direction like it doesn't automatically respond to the joystick a lot of the time because there's like inertia and stuff but with a mouse you can really you know um because like if, if you change direction quickly on a joystick like you physically have to like move that thing and sort of slam it you know and like with a mouse you're just like okay i'm there right it's it's a lot less i don't know i remember when i had was using a joystick and i would like change direction like that um, I used to f- feel like I was like breaking the joystick every time I like took evasive maneuvers and maybe they're made to take that sort of durability damage. I don't know, but, um, yeah, there, there was times like my joystick would actually like come up off the table, you know, cause like I, you know, I, I turned right so hard that like the base of it would come up and like, you know, do like pop a wheelie. Like I was in a car or something. Um, right. We have, you have to go past the dead zone. Right, because the like most joysticks have a dead zone that prevents like the little movement from jitter, and so that's why you have to wrench it so hard is to get it to actually take your input. And mouse doesn't have that like dead zone lag. No, that's actually been kind of an issue. That's actually been kind of an issue. A lot of people have been have been complaining that hey, my PC Hotas has a twenty percent dead zone by default. (laughs) It doesn't, you know, and so people are trying to like figure how do I get my dead zone to go zero percent? How do I get my stick to be 
as I want my flight stick to be as responsive as a controller, but all joysticks have this little dead zone in the middle. And so that's why you have to wrench it so dang hard to get it to move because you don't want it to move accidentally just by bumping it. And so, so that's what people are having trouble with because you want that precision, but at the same time, you also want responsiveness and you can't necessarily have both. And that's one of the reasons the sweet spot is so important because it, and when I say the sweet spot is because is the, there's a mechanic in squadrons where if you slow down far enough, your speed bar turns white and that tells you that you can turn as fast as possible just like with your normal turning. And that's why the sweet spot's so important because you, you have to slow down to get to do this fast turn. And if you're going fast, you can't do that turn and it's made, it's worse, made worse by the dead zone. Well, so you can actually reduce your dead zone in the squadrons uh, settings. Yeah, you can turn it all the way down, but people were turning it down to zero and then they'd still have a 20%. And that's, and they had okay. to like get some, they had to get some extra software to like make their joystick work a little differently. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit more complicated than I've, than I've gotten into. I personally don't notice it. Maybe I'm just really hard on my, on, on my joystick, but I don't, I don't notice it. Plus I'm yeah. also doing the, doing the double boost drift thing. A lot of the time when I turn, I don't really turn that much. Yeah. I don't notice it either, but I'm bad. So. <laughs> I, i'm it's, pretty i'm i'm pretty mediocre trust me it, it's funny because i actually i have the opposite problem of like it's my mouse is so twitchy you know you get like an interceptor yep. or something in your sights and i'm like i'm like trying to keep my mouse on target and I, it's just it's over correcting a lot of yeah. the time and 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 just and it's not over correcting like a lot it's like i move my mouse like half an inch and now i'm like i'm overshooting the target significantly so i there's a lot of like you know when i get yeah. close to a yeah. target with the so mouse much that. that that is um a little bit awkward um but you know, I mean, I think that there's advantages to each for sure. Um, I, th I think a mouse is better though, because I use it, of course. Definitely for the experience, the joystick is, uh, especially like combo joystick and throttle. I just have a joystick, so I have one hand on the on the stick and one hand on the keyboard, which is kind of the worst of both worlds. Um, <laughs> yeah. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna get one flight controller as opposed to both, like you definitely want to get the joystick. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And actually having a hand on the keyboard, you know, your fingers can access a lot more buttons. Like technically I could, I have a tiny little throttle stick on my, on my joystick, but it's not really like a HOTUS, but the buttons are super awkward too. I like having the keyboard so I can hit all the different targeting buttons and do the, um, you know, the power swap, the power shunting on the TIE fighters with just like one button. There's just so many more buttons on a keyboard. It makes it a lot easier to have all your extraneous auxiliary stuff on the keyboard yeah like accessing a context menu with just the flight stick is a bear yeah yo i didn't realize until yesterday that you could change the auto cycle target thing i just thought like f just cycled through closest hostile targets and like that was it and then i played the like second or third campaign mission yesterday because i was bored and ranked mode was broken and i was like Oh, I this is how you fly a U-wing, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> I was like I was trying to like manually T-target like people with the U-wing yeah, to, to, to like yeah. to like, you know, resupply them and stuff. I was like this is awful. This is terrible. I never want to do this again. And um it's way easier when you're like only select allies, cycle with F, you know, like ugh. but I I will say that I don't like that menu. I wish that there was just like a hot key that was like 
change auto like this hotkey cycles through friendlies this hotkey cycles through hostiles there is yep oh yeah on oh, your keyboard is. on your keyboard enemies is five and uh friendlies is f5 by default but you can map all of the all of the things that are on the targeting wheel you can map to specific keys if you want to do you do you think that's an homage to the old x-wing alliance and tie fighter games because f the furry the this is such a, a nerd. I'm going to be full nerd here, okay? The the first mission in Tie Fighter, okay? One of the first instructions your your academy instructor gives you is to bind your flight leader to shift F5. So every time you hit F5, you buy, you you it targets your flight leader so you can figure out what your flight leader is doing. So cycling friendly also happens to be F5. Conspiracy, I think not. <laughs> Maybe I don't know the game. The game feels so much like Descent Free Space. I feel like I don't know. Uh, it's, it's it's almost the same, just with upgraded graphics. <laughs> you know, I've been waiting so for this game. So many people have been waiting for this game for like twenty years. Yeah, like everyone who's everyone who's my age and 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 you know around my age who played uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter and X Wing Alliance and all that stuff. I mean, like. And people went, people went nuts with modding X-Wing Alliance. Like X-Wing Alliance has like a modded version that looks incredible. And this is just a natural kind of follow on from that. But a lot of people were like, oh man, this is so risky. This is kind of a dead genre. People haven't been making this kind of game for a long time. But uh, I think it's good. I think it's successful. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with Star Wars, frankly. Well, I think that like, there we kind of like entered a zone of like video gaming where like the technology wasn't quite like all we had like kind of a renaissance of video gaming in the last 10 years or whatever where like the graphics got a lot better right and i think that in the interim there it was difficult to like combine a game where like the controls and the graphics and the gameplay were all good, right? Like they tried to do it in Battlefront. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> no offense if you worked on Battlefront. The game, the ground game's great. I enjoy it. I played a lot of Battlefront. Um, but like the Starship battles in Battlefront was pretty bad. I don't know. Did you guys play Old Republic at all? The MMO? So the. Um, galactic starfighter it's it's actually sort of reminiscent of of squadrons except um like it was it was your ships were like way more mmo like rpg and like they had stats and attributes and like you equipped gear to them and like you kind of like leveled them up and you know you got experience with each fighter and stuff um but like and it was also third person but it was actually like not super different from squadrons from like a conceptual standpoint, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. This seemed like the, the like natural course of evolution. Like clearly I don't think is old Republic's Bioware, not EA, right? Does EA own Bioware? I don't know. No. Oh, they, no, they totally do because, uh, because mass effect is like the origin is origin. And so is dragon age. Um, and, and that's all bioware property anyways um i don't know but like this is a super simple game that is amazing um yeah i do want to say 
referencing an episode from two two episodes ago where Kyle said that he didn't think I would be a cutthroat, like competitive human being. Yet here I am the day the game drops, I buy it, I get into it. I say, ah, you know, I'm not going to care about my kill death ratio. I'm not going to care about my win ratio. I'm not that good at video games anymore. And you can all attest that I get very aggravated because I am just mediocre at this game and I do not take being mediocre uh, so not only am I, do I have that joystick coming, I also have these like new grips coming in to try and help me just get better because I can't handle not being good at this game. So yeah, Kyle, I'm cutthroat competitive and I'm trying to get better at this game, even though I haven't played a video game in forever. I'm still having fun in my, in my support, my boat, Ty Reaper, U-Wing. Uh, we were joking before the cast about like janking and bobbing and weaving. And I'm like, this is what bobbing and weaving in a U-wing looks like. Just flying straight. <laughs> yeah. And like slowly listing. <laughs> yeah, right. Slowly <laughs> listing. There you go. It's it's so embarrassing on the kill cam when you get killed by an interceptor and like a tie reaper or a U-wing. And <laughs> you're just in their sights and you're like. Yeah. And then I, you honestly, <laughs> I, um, I like jumped in a, in a U-wing one time. And like I, I like maxed out the speed, and we got into the middle of a dogfight, and I actually got confused because even though I was at max speed, I didn't like didn't look at my throttle speed, and I thought I wasn't moving, like, like, <laughs> you know, like, like I was like, I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Am I like ion or whatever? And it was just like it was like at sixty or whatever. Okay. And I was like, oh god. <laughs> so what you're saying to me? And this is a spoiler alert, I guess. I mean, you probably should have seen Rogue One by now. But what you're saying is, is that Saw Gerrera should have been able to get into that Yui. Yeah, I mean, they're so slow. Like, I, I don't know. I like, I genuinely was confused. You know? Yeah, um, I have no idea how they outran like a, a Death Star blast wave in a U-wing. That's, I don't know. Must have had some. Must have had a slamming engine in that thing with some charged boost. Just anyway, um, how about we talk about some Legion? Legion. This is, after all, this theoretically, a Legion the podcast. Notorious squadrons. <laughs> well, it was for the first twenty minutes, but uh, yeah, let's talk some Legion. Let's hit housekeeping first. Housekeeping. So we do have a, a Patreon at the Fifth Trooper, thefifthtrooper.com slash Patreon. If you like this cast, if you like the other casts, if you like the blog articles, the YouTube content, and you want to support us, go check us out. Uh, additionally, I would like to just throw out, uh, we uploaded a bunch of new Wild West Exodus products um, to our web store this week. Um, so as well as some terrain that you could use for Legion 2 if you wanted, um for specifically for wild west exodus but like you know terrain is terrain you can use it pretty much for any game um i gotta say i I was like uploading it all to the store i've never played wild west exodus personally but the models are dope like yeah they're really cool looking it's just like it's like wild west clearly but it's like you know the there was one it was like teddy roosevelt on like a velociraptor was one of the you know he's like he's like got a gun and he's like on a velociraptor and he's like charging and i was like dude this is this looks dope 
like what <laughs> what is this game um i'm not i'm not sure i have the time to get into it but it looks awesome so um you know i would encourage everybody to check that out you know another way to support us if you know you're not into the patreon thing we've got a ton of cool stuff on our store um you know uh we put up scythe and a bunch of its expansions so we've got some board games on there um you know i know that i haven't been uh the most avid supporter of scythe but we do we do stock it <laughs> it's good man i don't know why you hate it it's just it's not my cup of tea and All right, it's fair. it's like it's like yeah but um i understand so, why other people enjoy it all right so i was originally saying to myself a long time ago that maybe i should get little scythe for when my kid is old enough are you telling me that i shouldn't what do, what is little scythe they make like a like a version that is geared towards like ages like six or seven and up or something like that. Really? Yeah. I'm Uh going to have to look into this because there is nothing about that game that says me, give this to a small kid. They will have fun. Yeah. It's basically just like, it's just like a really complicated algebra equation that in like, maybe in like artwork for maybe that's maybe like is like a simplified math then. I don't know. Um, that's interesting. I know. Now you got me. Now you got me second guessing myself, Mike. On the other hand, Teddy Roosevelt and a Velociraptor that definitely plays at age six. Oh, totally, man. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like you know the uh, the, there was a new box that we put up there. It's like the Secret Service, but they're all like you know they've got like they're gunslingers and they're all like named like characters from the time period and it's just it looks really cool and um i'm sure it's a great game but i i know jay and evan have been talking about it a bit on uh fifth trooper so awesome yeah so go check that out all right let's hit some quick news welcome to in the news we got we finally got the long-awaited legion article on ffg.com not ffg.com fantasyflightgames.com ffg's website for atrt assembly all right before we get to the topic that i wrote out i do want to say one thing it was an article that didn't directly hyperlink the pictures needed um so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it and you go to that article it's not going to lead you to the right spot so if you want to see the atrt pdf what you need to do is go to the product page for legion scroll all the way down and you'll find it in their painting guides like i think like drop down menu um so if you didn't know to go there you didn't actually see it um not to like completely dump on that article but if you're going to do that I highly recommend you hyper hyperlink what you're talking about. It would be better if they just put it in the box, but you know, I guess it's better than nothing. I'm trying really hard not to crap on this. I'm going to be honest. I just save yourself the trouble. Hey, we got some 101 articles too. That's true. That's fair. It's not we, nothing. We, we did get 101 articles. I just like one of them written by by this guy. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Self shameless self plug. Anyway, yeah. All right. Uh, no preview articles. Clearly, there's not actually much in the news right now. You guys got anything else? Well, my one note was that Staps did not come with a uh, a PDF. Oh yeah. Uh, Sorry. Still no Staps. Uh, mu- <laughs> much to much to Mike's uh, chagrin. I'm sorry, but like, 
what? <laughs> like you release the article. It it's like here's your instructions. It's not even linked. <laughs> like I opened up the article. I was like, it's here. Where the, there's no instructions on this. It's like talking about them. And it doesn't even tell you where to find them. It's like one product. There are like four products on the market that don't have instructions right now. Like, okay, clearly FFG does not want to insult our intelligence and provide manuals for assembling these these complicated models. I'm sorry. They expect us to, like the curious children that we are inside, uh, put together these uh, models, excels, you know, and discover how the assembly goes through experimentation and, and careful play yeah they'd be no, restraining that's what, that's our artistry exactly that is what legos are for legos you, you they, they go together and if you build it wrong you can take them apart no okay? that's not true you got to super glue them together so your kids don't take them apart okay, haven't you guys seen the lego movie no i haven't uh <laughs> but like i like ah, i don't know um this seems like a super oversight I'm, yeah, I'm I don't know. Hopefully, we'll see some more. We've already been over this topic a couple episodes ago. So, let's get on to. We don't have any hobby talk because <laughs> we didn't do any. But how well, else I mean, will I will I almost ruin my Ursa Ren by plastic gluing the torso before the legs go on? Oh my gosh! I yeah, I <laughs> every single person I spoke to that tried to put Mandos together did that exact same thing, including this guy. So. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's hit our 101 section. It's time for Legion 101. Class is in session. So we got another objective this week. Recover the supplies. Super fun objective, especially if you have Mandos. Including the one Empire Mando. I have not played this objective in like half a year. (laughs) I, I'm serious. There, there's like, there's like a half. There's like two or three objectives that I have not played in a very long time. I have not played Breakthrough. I have not played Payload, and I have not played Recover the Supplies in like thirty games. You, you haven't been forced to nominate here. You don't like in thirty games. That's a that's quite a run of luck. I mean, I don't know. Like I've played I've played objectives I don't like. Like. I, I first of all I like recover the supplies. Okay, fair. I just like I generally don't include it in my battle decks because it's not like in the army I play. I don't know. It's just I feel like recover the supplies has kind of fallen out lately. Yeah, it's one of the yes. most cut objectives, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll talk about when we get to what lists like it and what lists don't. But essentially, if you have a fast trooper unit, aka Sabine or Boba Fett, you like it, or an infiltrator. Iden's pretty darn good at it. Yeah, that if could you don't, sort of be a trap. It, yes, it definitely can be, no question. But if you don't have one of those things, it's really not very good for you. So it tends to get cut a lot, especially since vital assets where you can slot in, you know, you got more objectives to slot in. So it's, I think before vital assets, there were there were lists that were taking it where it was like, well, I guess I need a fourth card in here. It might as well be recover over breakthrough because clearly breakthrough is worse for my gun line list or whatever but now you can slot in a vital assets objective instead and you're really only taking recover if you're if your list is legitimately really good at recover 
Yeah, I have to agree with Mike that I feel like I haven't played in forever, which is a shame because I think Recover the Supplies might be my favorite objective in the game. Um, mainly because I think a lot of the times I play it, the, the games tend to be fun. Um, because like, sure, the middle box is what you're going to end up fighting over for the most part. But you could also dictate where the battlefield's going to be by where you place your boxes. Like, you can either decide to go, like, super safe and put your two, quote-unquote, safe boxes, like, in an area where you are you feel safe, you're going to be able to get them. Or if you feel like you are playing against a Sabine or a Boba or a Mandos or an Infiltrator and you think that you need to kind of bring the fight to them and you put those boxes in a spot, that can just basically make the game have an engagement way quicker than a lot of other objectives do. Um, And that's not to like bash other objectives, but sometimes they just take a long time for engagements to happen. And like, you see like, you see like uh, positioning kind of take over the first four rounds of the game. And you're not going to have games of recover the supplies that aren't like that. They're, they're still going to be recover the games, you know, recover the supply games where you are positioning for four rounds. Okay, like that's going to happen. But if you feel like you need to just get straight in there and go for those boxes, you place them in a spot and you can just make that game go from like zero to 60 real quick because ultimately you need to go for that third box, you know, for the most part. I mean, you don't necessarily have to. You could always play for the tie and play for points killed. And there's a lot of different strategies we can discuss, you know, going forward. But I think recover can be like one of the most fun objectives it, but there are a lot of variables to why it's being cut. I, and I understand that. So let's talk about some of those strategies. What would you guys say are the general approaches you can take to re- recover the supplies? Uh, are you talking about in it uh, from the, how the, how the boxes go on the board standpoint, or are you talking about a list building standpoint? More like what you do once, once you've got your, your army on the table and you're, you've decided you're playing recover the supplies, which can include placing boxes. You well, know, Zach, Zach just referenced a couple of them. Okay. Well, a couple of them would be like, you know, do you put your boxes far from your opponent's boxes or do you put them close to your opponent's boxes and sort of shrink the board into a three by three area? That's also, that's, that's a common thing doing like Zach's, like you said, Zach, you make that engagement go fast. Um, but I mean, I think the, the big one is trying to do something in such a way that you can win priority with a unit in base contact with the center box. That's like one of the big, like, turning points of the whole objective so like for example um i'm going to talk from sabine because i used to play sabine a lot and i'm starting to play her again um the dream of course is to find some situation where she is the only unit in contact with the middle box and is has priority at some point to claim and leave or ending her turn claiming and then playing no time for sorrows so then she moves back and then double moves away on her activation that's kind of been like the, that's like the big like rebel play with Sabine. Um, but you're trying to get into a scenario where you are either like on the box first and you can get away with it. Um, Pathfinders come to mind uh, because they can infiltrate directly onto boxes. Jin, of course, um, Cassian and K2 now. Um, there's a lot of more infiltrators than there used to be. Um, and then the, the other way to do it is to get a points lead and then sit on it 
right? You can force your opponent to, you know, your opponent's win condition becomes kill more of my opponent's stuff or grab the middle. And then if they make an effort to grab the middle, they, they then risk more of their army against you. And I mean, that's like what clones generally do on recover. They want to get a points lead using their arc troopers and then force you to walk into standby to get that fifth box. But they, they love that. So those are like the two big approaches, either be the aggressor to grab that middle box and have a plan. So like Sabine and Boba Fett all have that in mind. Mando's now with Leia. Um, infiltrators. Or you, if you're playing like Empire or clones, you're trying to set up a situation where your opponent has to walk into your guns. Yeah, it's sort of often overlooked, but I think it's very valid to depending on terrain, of course. But I think it's very valid to ignore the middle box. If the middle is open, it's possible that any unit that tries to go for the middle box just dies. And that's a completely wasted effort. Now, there are ways to get around that. You, you mentioned winning priority. That's one way, especially if you have a commander with cunning, then you can essentially guarantee that you can win priority. Very important. So you can you know, last move into the box potentially claim it on a previous turn and then either double move away or claim and move away on the next turn with your guaranteed priority winning. Dooku is fairly good at recover for that reason because you can play his one pip just to win priority. And since, you know, even if you grab it with a B1, typically you can still get them in order to get them out of there on the first turn. But you can also just straight up, if the middle's open, just ignore the middle box. And then it kind of plays out a lot like Sabotage, where each player has two quote-unquote safe objectives, and it's going to come down to points. So the blue player advantage is often overlooked a little bit on Recover Supplies, but it's definitely still there. Because when the game starts, if you cannot, if you're not in a position to contest your opponent's safe boxes, which depending on deployment you may not be, then it's on red player to either kill a unit or grab the middle box, both of which they have to move up to do. So, Part of that also has to do with army positioning as well uh, relative to your opponent's boxes. Like, are your opponent's boxes an easy reach, right? Because let me just back up a little bit, right? There's the middle box, which is neutral, and then there's two boxes that each player gets that they choose where to put on the board. And, and the proximity of your army to their boxes and also the relative speed of your army. So like Tauntauns are a great example of counter-striking your opponent's safe stuff or Mandos too, because they have jump as well. The idea is do you, this sort of plays into your saying you can just ignore the center box and it becomes like sabotage. Well, that's true if the boxes are on opposite ends of the board from each other, as they often are if you're playing like a major offensive. But if you're playing like hemmed in or you're playing battle lines or danger close, there's a chance that your boxes are not so safe and all the boxes are in play, so to speak. And so the battle can shift depending on, on turn zero, depending on terrain and depending on how fast your stuff is really. Recover the supplies is one of those objectives where speed actually is one of the biggest deciding factors in, in ease of play. And I think rebels have a massive advantage there uh, compared to all the other factions. Yeah. I mean, I have a bit of a take and it could be a hot one. It could, it could be a cold one. I don't know, but I think that recover the supplies. The first, the first thing I recommend 
is that you understand how your opponent's list operates and what's in their list. Okay. But I also think that it's possible that recover the supplies is the objective that I will survey the map most for. Um, and I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I like I'll, I'll survey maps for all the other objectives. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I like I'll survey them out, but for recover, I will survey it a lot more for so many reasons. Um, how like uh, things I've mentioned before and that we've already mentioned, but how do I want to engage my opponent? Where do I want to engage my opponent? Do I want to go for that middle box? If I go for that middle box, where can I go? Um, so like I think being able to understand the table or map that you're playing on is arguably the most important thing that you have when you play a recover the game, you know, recover game to be able to make sure that you get yourself into a situation that you can win, whether it's you go for points, whether it's go for that middle box, whether it's to pressure a quote unquote safe box with a, you know, fast flanking unit, whether it's boxing out an infiltrator. Um, I think that the variables that go into recover the supplies might be why it's my favorite is that like, there's just so many different things that could happen in it. Um, you know, and Kyle, you mentioned like you say, right, you go play for blue. Okay. What if let's say two lists are activated, you know, two lists are 10 activations, right? And yeah, you chip them away to like nine and you're up in points. You also have another winning out, which is to get like, let's say if there's a line of sight blocker near that middle box and you play a defensive game and you make sure that you stay up on activations, you can also double ensure that you win the game by like activating a unit last and grabbing that box. You know what I mean? Um, or you can force your opponent to overextend when they go down an activation to then take them down another activation and get the ball rolling. Like, I just think there's so many different things at play, which is great, which is probably why I love it so much. There's just so many, like, I think recover games are games that are different almost every time you play them. Yeah, I feel like recover is the objective you see the most where a player can be losing or even potentially getting crushed on attrition and yet still winning. There are situations you see where a player manages to grab the middle box and then almost all their stuff dies, but they're still running away with three boxes and their opponent only has two. Well, at a, at a certain major tournament, um, one of our good friends on the on our sister podcast, brother podcast, whatever, um, experienced that firsthand actually mm. <laughs> against uh, Leia, Leia Sabine, Tauntaun. Yeah, that was Nima and Jay for those. Yeah, that, yeah. Is that's where that's about the outgrowth of the term nemesis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which yeah. is which to pile up on that, it is okay to grab boxes and just hide and bunker down if you yeah, need to do that. Let it, if you can do it, it's don't okay let to do shame that. You. Yeah, like don't feel shame if that is your strategy. It, like. You play this game to win. If you grab those three boxes and you have to hide and just back up every turn, like, like I'm, like I'm not never going to disrespect you for that, and no one else should because that is the object of the game. It's interesting because I actually, you know, like going back to kind of you're talking about this is like your you said this was your favorite objective, Zach. Yes, I absolutely love recover. I mean that that's great. I just like I think that recover games are have a tendency to be the most non-interactive objective games in in like legion like the the most the the highest number of games that i've seen that have just been like oh this game was over on turn two have been recover games because like boba fett grabbed the box at the end of turn one and just like whipcorded the other guy and ran away you know like 
and the game was just it was literally over and and there was nothing anyone could do about it um it probably should be noted that in a lot of my local games we all tend to have fast moving units or force users yeah. like like we typically have like a sabine or a luca on both sides or duco on another side so we're typically playing lists that like are fine with recover. So like when we play like a recover game, it's not non-interactive because we're just always kind of like playing like a recover chess game, if that makes any sense. Like totally. I, I think I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that we've hit on like a recover is not played a ton, and there are like obviously a lot of different ways to play it, but I think more than a lot of other objectives like breakthrough or bomb and run or any of that um when you make a mistake and recover things really go sideways you know like um and unlike other objectives like sabotage where like the objective is pretty much like you put a unit out in the open the the mistakes are a little bit more ambiguous like it might be something as simple as like oh this unit got meleeed, so now they can't move to help this other unit, which has repercussions, and who can touch the middle box, and who can't, and things like that. And, and it's, a lot of times it's not immediately apparent when a mistake occurs in Recover until it's too late, and by the time it's too late, the game is just flat over. Um, and so I think it's important to, like, realize what those things are like activations is really big on recover the supplies like if at any point you are up on activations what should be going through your head is okay i'm up on activations that may not be a thing for the entirety longevity of the game the easiest way to grab a box if you're not playing against clones is to dive in at the end of the turn when your opponent can't do anything pick it up and then like david was talking about earlier you like no time for sorrows out or double move away right like the um you know one of the reasons that boba fett and sabine are so good at recover is because recon intel plus a move speed three move i believe puts you in base contact with the box on certain deployments on most deployments yeah there are somewhere it doesn't but most of them it does which means that if you get like a well-placed line of sight blocker or your opponent has like short range guns and stuff you can intentionally draw one of those deployments while, while playing recover and intentionally jump in and immediately jump out and like basically you're playing the runaway game and like you're gonna shoot them the rest of the game obviously like on the way back but like the units that have the boxes are just running right like boba fett or sabine is just a 130 140 point box carrier at that point 130 Um, 140 point game winner well totally right and and like that's the thing i think a lot of people get caught up in um they're like, oh, this like hero unit's gotta be like a hammer. They gotta like kill stuff to be good. And like if Boba or Sabine grabs box and runs away, like more than made up their points, right? Um Yeah. I think I think the other thing I wanna say about Recover is that it is in my mind the objective where sniper rifles matter the most. Um and this this is important because specifically aggressively placed snipers that can abuse like your your snipers are already abusing line of sight blockers to corner peak 
and a lot of the time you can use the same line of sight blocker if you arrange your snipers properly to scope a unit leader which means they drop the box and i mean if if you're not well versed in recover when the unit leader gets scoped and they're carrying a box the box gets dropped like it doesn't transfer to another dude in the squad it's just it's straight up dropped they're gonna have to spend likely another movement to get in base contact with it and then spend another action to pick it up it is super good to shoot unit leaders when you can scope them on recover whereas in other like even you might want to do it with even like oh you're like oh i got a full z6 squad that can like blast them seven hits uh sometimes it is more consistent to just shoot the set it up so you're scoping the unit leader drop the box and it just it stalls them that unit's going to be stuck there next turn you're going to be able to shoot it again anyways um it goes for hostage and bombing run also which are yeah absolutely insane insane can be said for stacking suppression on, on a unit that might be stuck somewhere and sure then they might be resilient if they panic they'll drop the box as well which is also important Force choke, also a way to make unit leaders drop a box. A Force great way. choke is really good on recover. I have won many a game with Darth Vader where I like have walked in, lightsabered one unit with a box, and force choked out another unit that has the box on turn six. I'm like, oh, you just don't have any victory points this game. Sorry. Like, um, there's there's also the old move, force push a unit, put the box in base contact with you, force choke the unit leader, and then grab the box. Yeah, like you don't even have to swing your <laughs> lightsaber. It's no. you know because notably when you force push a unit, similarly to hostage exchange or bombing run or whatever, you get, you get to also place the objective token, right? Um, yep. Which is super important. Which basically means you know normally you have roughly we talk about inches a lot. Uh, the range ruler is six inches, and then there's essentially if you look super close. There's lines on the range ruler that roughly correspond every two inches, like naturally printed 3D lines. So four inches is roughly a speed one move, which is your force push move, right? Small base plus the speed one move tool is four inches. But that objective gives you an extra, roughly an extra inch because you can place it, you know, in between the unit leader and you with the force push. So you have roughly five inches of play with getting a box to contact you with a force user. And if you have a dark side force user, then you can choke him and grab it. This kind of brings me uh, to the other side of this, right? Which is, this is all about, in, in a sense, recover is all about um, time management. And it's also about garnishing your opponent's ability to manage their time, uh, whether that's through suppression, scoping unit leaders. Um, there's really a lot of like, calculus that goes into this so you know you'll say okay well it's turn four we're kind of in the middle there's this unit this unit and this unit could grab the box how many actions do they have what's the likelihood of what they'll do and there's a little bit of like guessing that goes on trying to figure out like how they're going to process their turn and then as as the turn you know go processes essentially the number of actions dwindles and you're trying to take away as many of those from your opponent. And this is especially important on recover. You can just win games by suppressing something often because they can't, they can't, you know, they have three things they would like to do, but they can only do two. So they would like to move and shoot you and pick up the box. But if you take away one of their actions, they, they can only move and then have to pick up the box next turn. And so there's a lot of like, 
there's a lot of that sort of like garnishing your opponent's ability to function and actually grab boxes by using suppression, by getting rid of unit leaders. And, and I think that this is sort of like the other half of why force choking something damages your opponent a lot more than just, I dropped this box. You know, not only did they drop the box, now they got to spend another couple actions maybe getting over there with a different unit, picking it up. Will that unit be safe? There's like all these long-term implications of this one move that your opponent has to wrestle with. And, and so you're, you're stealing time away from your opponent by causing these suppressions and by you know part of the skill of this is looking at the board state and trying to make this calculation right and that's kind of what that's what makes like a good player different than a great player in a lot of ways like a great player will will be able to visualize the you know what's left and what your opponent could do and what are what are the possibilities and they have to know what the moves are that exist and they have to figure out like what's what is it what is most likely here or do I have an opportunity to quash this this line from my opponent by um, suppressing that, or by shooting them with C twenty one or whatever? You know, so there's yeah. there's a lot of that with recover. Always be counting. Yeah, it? always be counting. Exactly, count actions and count activations, always, and count standby tokens too. <laughs> I mean, standby kind of changes how you play recover the supplies. Generally, you have to play it much more. Whether you want to or not, whether your list is geared to like, you know, if, you, if you're the one playing Sabine or Boba, right, and you have recover in your list, when you get a clone opponent, you have to, you have to sort of play it their way. You know, you can't be, because you can't use your last activation to like just jump in there with Sabine or Boba, you, I mean, you could, but they'll probably die because of standby. Um, you have to kind of whittle down those standby units so that eventually you can do that. And it's a little bit more of a waiting game. You can't be as aggressive as with it as you would be. I got, so, I have a, I have a great recovery standby story if we have time for it, by the way, this is from a, a LVO, believe it or not. And, and I, I didn't know <laughs> this. Is, I learned something that day. So Standby is really important on recover because you're trying to delay as long as possible. And so there'll be situations in like, we're talking like super late game. This is true for other objectives too, but recover, especially where it's sort of like, you're trying to like time your shot so that your opponent can't respond. And so there was like an end game situation at LVO where I had like a Chewbacca on seven wounds in melee with a rebel trooper unit with a with a with a box and i was like okay well if chewy goes early here he probably can't uh, he probably can't affect me but what ended up happening was he got in melee with me and then took standby so that when i when i retreated he could charge me with the standby move and then kill me at the exact moment where i couldn't reply um so i had to and at the time, I didn't understand that I could just pass my turn. <laughs> but that's kind of a situation where standby is like, this is an example of why it's important to use standby in melee, because it's hard, you can't remove it, plus Chewie was enraged. This, this is a super corner case, right? But at the same time, it's like, you're trying to you're trying to time it so that your opponent can't affect the situation that's happening. Um, and specifically what it was an attempt to do was sort of get around the fact that I had a sniper in the backfield 
and I had to make a choice. Do I snipe, do I snipe my opponent's box or do I, or do I um, try to keep them around so they can go and pick up the box from their friends? And eventually it ended up being, well, I have to, I have to deal with the standby. So I guess I have to try to shoot my opponent's box out. Now I successfully shot that opponent's box and, and that he dropped it. And so then it says, okay, I'm going to spend the standby. But if I had been smart, I would have just passed my turn because if I knew I could, didn't have to take any actions, my opponent would never have had this chance. But I didn't know that, but I got bailed out because Chewie rolled four hits and I rolled exactly the right number of blocks to get my unit leader on the table. But in hindsight, if I had known better, I would have passed my turn. But um, that's just one example of a story where you have to just be, it's really like a test of your knowledge of the rules at that point, because it's sort of like, you didn't, I didn't know that I could pass my turn. <laughs> I mean, not to go down a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. I hate that because it's not, it's not in the rules that there's a pass action or a pass or a pass action. It's just, you have to say that I take no actions and I get that it is 100% something you can do within the rules, but I'm just throwing it out there that I think it's garbage. Well, it's, well, it's, the, it's the exact same language as aim tokens. You may take up to two actions. You may spend. You may reroll up to whatever dice when you spend an aim token. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, it's not that it's not in the rule book. Just to be clear, like I don't want to. Yeah, yeah it's I don't, not explicitly sort of a misconception. I actually it's not think it's explicitly yeah. correct. Yeah, well, it's I not think explicitly not, there. Yeah, I think it's much cleaner than if they just said you, you can take the pass action because then you're like, well, it's pass an action. Right, can you right. stand I, by I, off a pass action? I, um, yeah. I would just like it to be like in there. A little bit better, and I, I'm not saying that it's, it's like I 100% agree that it is in the rules and you can do it. Can't I just personally don't like get it. What you want? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the the way to the way to do it would be to just add a sentence that says you may you, take you, no you, you may take no actions. Yeah, right. That would clean it up immediately if there was yeah, any yeah. confusion, right, at all. Anyway, I got to be honest, David. When you said you were going to talk about an LVO recover the supplies game. Yeah. Oh, you were going to talk about our game. I'm super broken. No, about it. I'm not going to talk about that game. <laughs> Why not? Kill you the rampage. It was, it was an, it was an <laughs> abomination of a game. That, that game wasn't that so game, much about recovery as it was about, about yeah about turn zero versus boss. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of turn zero, there's there's one more strategy point I want to hit with regards to recover, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but it has to do with terrain and how important it is to assess terrain, particularly near the center of the table with recover. You will get tables if you go to tournaments. You will get tables where there is a terrain piece smack dab in the middle of the board. And the center box will go on that terrain piece. Now this is happening less. Right? For the if if you go to, for example, LVO or Adepticon, which is run by Brendan, you know, there's there's much more consistent standards for terrain. But not every tournament is going to be run by the same people. And there have been tournaments that I've been to, you know, there's a tournament I went to last year where there was a height two terrain piece. It was like a landing pad, giant landing pad right in the middle of the table. My opponent had Sabine. I had Palpatine. And this landing pad was so big and so wide that you actually couldn't see up to the top of it from the table surface. So if Sabine was up there, and this actually happened at one point in the game, but luckily we weren't playing recover. If Sabine was up there, I would basically be unable to shoot her from the, 
the the table surface. Oh no! Before the game started, I'm like, if recovers in the third slot, and he was blue player because he outbid me. I just this game is over. <laughs> yeah, it's auto loss. Yeah. Like, so first of all, tournament organizers don't do that. Yes, please don't. Like, but it's it might have. So there's a couple things. That's the most egregious example of where if if you don't have a Mandalorian or someone that can jump height too, and you have a situation like that, you should 100% ban recover if it's not in the third slot. Which in that case, it was in the second slot, so I double banned. I was like, I, I don't care about any other ban uh, battle cards. I'm double banning to recover. <laughs> but it's also important if there's a terrain piece just kind of off-center next to the box, right? Because then potentially you can hide a unit back there and then get it with one move that makes it interesting for infiltrators. If it's totally open, that makes the game a lot different. Also, we talked about essentially playing it like moisture evaporators. So terrain is, is a very, it's, it's important on all objectives, but it's especially important on recover, specifically with regard to that like six inch circle radius in the center of the table. It's awkward, you know? I mean, like this isn't directly re- like recover, but you want to put your centerpiece in the middle of the table, you know? Like you want to put your cool piece of terrain there. Yeah. And that, this is, it's a carryover from 40K where that's, that's exactly what you do. It's, it's, 40K has a very standard, standard set of terrain guidelines. And it's like biggest line of sight blocker that you have goes right in the middle of the table. That's what you do. Yeah. And I just, um, I don't know. It's a uh, break that habit, specifically if you're playing competitively. Like if you're playing like a for fun game whatever you know um but i don't know i uh if a box gets put put up there like more than sabine and boba need to be able to touch it and i guess mandalorians now right um right but not everyone has those totally totally that's the thing right like you know um like i imagine depending on the landing pad like grievous may not have even been able to get up there right like um so like they're just you know some pieces of terrain just don't gel with competitive play and i think that's something to keep in mind specifically when we're talking about recover the supplies because you know i as long as we're talking about this specifically you know david you had i think uh something come up in in yavin league where like somebody put like vaps on top of like cliffs with like mandos right and they put they put their evaporators like up at like height two yeah and then that like, was um that was Evan's game okay, uh this yeah. round against Colkey. Um, um which like first of all like cool creative use of the rules and the map and everything like like I'm not I'm not taking issue with it just to be clear. Right. I just like something to keep in mind when you're building game boards and putting terrain on the table and we have more units with like jump. Um like this is going to, you know, now that we have units like actual units with jetpacks um, terrain's gonna matter a lot more. I like how you're totally focusing on Mandalorians and not talking at all about our troopers with jetpacks. I don't actually think our troopers with jetpacks are super great. Uh, well, I mean, so here's the thing: don't jetpacks give you jump two? Am I am I mistaken? They do, but here I, it's jump one or jump two. Uh, I don't two. remember. Is, is, oh, it is it one? Yeah, I thought it was British. No, I, I don't think know. It's two. I, first, it of doesn't all, matter. You I'd don't have see to them look at it, but yeah, there's there's a. Not to get too far down the jump rabbit hole, but um, if if a lot of the times when arcs have to jump over a wall with their jetpacks, 
they no longer can share tokens. Yes. Which is a problem. And, and I, like, they lose a lot of their, their oomph um, like a, when they yeah, do that. I, look, I looked it up. It, it is two, for, for the record. Dang. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think if you're using your ARC troopers like Mandalorians and you're not sharing tokens, like, yeah, it's probably fine. But I don't think it's the best use for them. Yeah, man, they got tactical. They're 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 golden. They they do what Mandalorians can only dream of. <laughs> well, you know, I, all I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, sorry, oh sorry, I, I I did it. I again. mean, to be fair, I think a I think a jetpack on Rex is better than a jetpack on Arcs. That's oh fair. yeah, Rex yeah. jetpack Heck is Rex super is interesting. A, I love Rex with a jetpack. Heck just yeah, to be, just to be clear. And, and the other thing is like, you can't take Mandos without taking the jetpacks right it's not like a mandatory thing like 10 points is a lot in a clone list that's true to be throwing on like a utility piece you Mm -hmm. know i i'm not saying that they're not good but Uh, god forbid you go below 11 activations dude i my my, the new art star i'm playing is nine sorry i'm just just trolling a little bit i'm just trying to Um, say you just have to cut a phase one like whatever no you can totally do nine with gar Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like the ten activation lists that are don't have three PO in them are basically nine activation gar lists with R two uh, in them. R two is not fair. really padding activations in those lists. Just yeah, he's to sort be of, clear, he's sort of like bringing them up to a par. I, I get that. You know, I'm cool with nine act. Yeah. Okay. I I don't I don't really think that R two pads activations in gar lists at all. I think. Um, Unlike Rebel lists, where they're kind of like, oh, we're going to get to like 13, 12, 13 activations or whatever, um, with like the Tauntauns and stuff. Like, R2 is just so do-nothing, and a lot of times you draw them when you don't want to. Like, the thing, the thing is that like, in a lot of lists where you put R2, like, drawing him early is not a huge issue, because he's like a pass activation, but in the in the clone list, you want your your pass activations to throw down standby tokens so that they actually do something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like a saber. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I yeah. think R two is great in the saber list. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, oh, thirty five points, add four health to my thing, and get saber, secret mission. Great, whatever. I yeah, um, we're a little off base, but I'm with. I actually agree with you, Mike. No, like, I. I, I agree that R2 can be somewhat of a liability by himself in a clone list that wants to do something else. And I, I am now at the point where I will build lists where I have R2 and 3PO and then I build outward rather than putting R2 in the list and then saying, oh, maybe I'll fit C3PO later. I find myself putting 3PO in and saying, I'll build around this. And um, that's something that you brought up a while back. And I'm, it, but it, it portrays into what you're trying to say about r2 kind of being you know it, it, like not really padding an activation but more of like an interrupter to what your list is trying to do which is what you know you ended up giving me r2 in the first round when we played two garlists of yavin right if we just transition to yavin base here real quick mm-hmm. <clears throat> now you you can bring r2 and 3po in this round which i think you know you probably are i, I didn't really i'm not i cut r2 oh. completely just um, straight up cut him out he's, okay. he's gone i have I have too often, and this this is maybe me negatively responding to um, average like um, instances that like averages don't support. 
and Kyle, you can probably speak to this once I go through it. Um, but the amount of times I've played a one pip, um, and put the order on like an arc trooper squad because I want to have control over when that goes with the intent of immediately drawing a core trooper out of the bag or Rex out of the bag or another special forces out of the bag and throwing down a standby token immediately. And instead I drew, draw this stupid droid that doesn't do anything. And I'm like, I just blew a one pip so that R2 could go first on my ambush or call me captain turn. And this is terrible. I hate it. And like, I understand it's like a one in nine and like most of the time I'm going to do that. It's going to work. The amount of times that it has happened to me, like the fact that they're one out of nine times, it doesn't work. That one time is really problematic. Like, like the thing is if I take R2 out of the list, it works a hundred percent of the time, right? Like there's no, like everything in the list has the clone trooper keyword. When I go to my bag, I know I'm going to get a standby token and and not being able to get it one out of nine times really pisses me off sometimes it really like i will make decisions like in my last game against against quino you know i i had him locked out of the middle key position in our in our team league game and with standby tokens and he was like waiting me out like he was like waiting to go in because like the standby bubble was real and um, I don't think he saw the play a one pip immediately draw something that doesn't matter out of the bag, take a standby token um, coming. And I just like, cause I think he, he like got to a turn where like he was ready to make a play. And I was like, well, I'm just going to lock it down immediately. Like that's the plan. And, um, and I drew R2 and I, and I was like, no, <laughs> like, 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 no. <laughs> oh, so this is a fresh topic. Fresh. Yeah, no, like this, this happened <laughs> this week. And I, and, that, and I was like, I'm done with this stupid little dry. I had already cut 3PO because um, I couldn't fit 3PO in the list with Echo and Fives. And, and the Echo and Fives conversation is a little different. I actually think Echo is actively bad. We don't need to talk about that right, right this second. We can talk about that later. Um, but... Yeah, I just, like, um, I think he operates differently in a clone list than a rebel list. And if R2-D2 had the clone trooper keyword, I'd be all about it. But, uh, yeah. It's a huge cost when it, you have a clone list that does that has one unit in it that does not have the clone trooper keyword. I, yeah, I, I mean, like, this is kind of why I think, like, you know, I jokingly said, uh, not super jokingly, I'm saying jokingly now to, like, make up for it, but... Like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, "ATR clone ATRTs are bad." I still mostly support that, but like, when when you go to your bag fishing for like a t a token generator and you draw something that doesn't draw a token generator in a clone list, like you can lose a game. And you know, it's um, don't get me wrong, clones are really good. Like, but but there are, there are still decision points that you have to make the affect the outcome of the game and like. I, I very well could have lost that game due to drawing R2 right there had had he been able to pressure me properly. And I was lucky that I had done enough damage that that was unlikely. Um, but, like, had I not been able to get in the damage that I did before that step, like, I, 
that that very easily could have lost me the game. It was a mirror match, right? For the most part. Um, and he killed one of my full arc troopers teams on turn one. Like I, I, I just lost like a 110 point unit and I was like pulling my hair out cause I didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, yeah, uh, so that's a long-winded way of saying that I think R2 sucks in a clone list if you don't have 3PO. Unless you have a Saber tank, I imagine he's probably fine with ATRTs too. But if you're relying on the clone tr trooper keyword and standby sharing, I think he's a liability. I would rather go to nine activations than have a, a droid polluting my order token bag. What about giving him an uplink? Then, then he's forty-five points. I don't, well, I don't I have ten points to just be. I just, just I just saying. told you I couldn't spend ten points on a jetpack. If I can't yeah, spend ten I'm, points on jetpack, I'm not going to put an uplink on R2. I'm just spitballing. That I would solve your problem. I, I get it. Um, yeah. so we're gonna find ten dollars no, for a no, jetpack. No. <laughs> cut, cut aggressive tactics and bring. Um, oh, geez, I can't even think of the. I can't even think of the card anymore because I've used it forever. Um, the one that you can put it back in the bag and take it back out. What is improv. it? Improv. Um, thank you, improv. I haven't I, used I'm it in sorry. Like two you, years, you, it feels like. You can't cut aggressive tactics in a clone list. It was sarcasm, Mike. And All right, I'm let's let's you. let's move on because uh, we haven't been talking about recover for like ten minutes. So yeah, we <laughs> straight into well, two yeah, I just yeah. for the republic real Transition quick into Yavin. Already got well, more on recover. Real quick, let's let's hit, and I think we've already kind of discussed this, but let's hit which lists are good at recover and which lists are bad at recover. And maybe it's better to talk about units as opposed to lists. But uh, where do we start? Uh, Tauntauns, uh, Mandalorians, Sabine, uh, Pathfinders, uh, ISF, Jin, Cassian. Um, who else is good? Uh, Overwatch Phase Twos. Uh, what's good? In, what's good in CIS? Dooku, right? You're just gonna leave Iden out to dry like that. Well, I yeah, sorry for I keep forgetting she can infiltrate because I like the fact that she has a courage through bubble, and, yeah, and she notably she can just shut a box. Like oftentimes, like troopers are carrying, like core troopers are carrying boxes. Oh yeah, um, she can incapacitate. Yeah. Incapacitate. Yeah, well, he's not Dio yet. He's ID ten. Spoilers. Um, but it, oh. like that's a real thing when you're like banking on picking up a box with a core trooper and Iden's just like, nope. I think I've done that to you a couple times, Kyle. <laughs> I don't think it was recover, but yeah, you've done that to me. I, I, I recall a, a game where I needed, I had like two wounds or something and I needed to kill her with Son of Skywalker or she was going to do that to my last scoring unit and I I whiffed on Son of Skywalker. <laughs> Literal like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a pool noodle. Yeah, it was a pool noodle, pool noodle lightsaber. This was Commander Luke, not Jedi Luke, so... Jedi Luke would have done it because he always delivers. Jedi yeah, Luke doesn't uh, miss, man. No, he doesn't. Community. That one extra dice doesn't seem like it should make that much of a difference. But anyway, we are way off topic here. So basically, things that are fast, specifically trooper units that are fast, Tauntauns are good at it because they get, they sort of demand to be dealt with. And while your opponent is trying to figure out the Tauntaun situation, you can just kind of waltz up with one of your naked Rebel Trooper units and grab it and run off. They're also crazy good at killing things that try to pick up boxes. Yeah, including the rear boxes. You don't yes. have any safe boxes against Tauntauns. Nope. 
everything's in play against Tauntauns because they're just that fast. They have it's, a 30 inch threat range with their pistols. Same goes to some degree with saps and speeder bikes. You definitely cannot send like a sniper strike team after your safe box if you're playing against staffs or speeder bikes. This tells yeah, you so, how long I haven't played Recover in, but do you drop the box if you get displaced? I don't remember. No. No, you it don't. moves with you. Okay. You do drop it if you panic, though. Yep. Yeah. 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 Panic or unit leader dies are when you drop the box. Yeah. And then you're going to have lists that don't want it. Like vehicle lists probably don't want to recover. Um, especially if you're like, you're focusing on the vehicle. I'm not saying like, like a saber tank list might be okay on recover because you have Rex with scouting party. Right. So you have like a way to deal with recover. Right. But if you're playing double AAT or you're playing like an ATSD with like veers or something like that, you don't want recover because you don't really have a way to deal. I mean, yeah, you can, you can like, you know, make sure that they can't grab that middle box, I guess if it's open, but Ultimately, it's not something you're ideally looking to play, I think, with a vehicle list, you know, ATRTs, FD, FD cannons uh, clearly don't want to play recover the supplies. Um, you know, and, um, lists with a lot of mortars, um, you know, I know the mortar is good for, like, activation padding for Empire, but if you're playing a list with, like, mortars, one, they can't pick up the boxes, and two, those are units that can get sniped off the board real quickly and then your opponent's up in activation quickly and they're up points and then they can kind of turn the tide on you you know stuff like that anything that has like an activation that can come somewhat be a sitting duck you you know you don't want on objectives like recover you know i think in general it's safe to say if you don't have one of those units that that uh we basically just discussed being good at recover you just want to cut it you know, Zach, I was going to make a joke about turning the tie, but nobody knows what that command card does. <laughs> yes, it does. Inspired. It gives all of your support and heavies inspired too. Inspired too. Yeah, we know what it does, but no. <laughs> it's a common <laughs> card to take in Tauntaun list. What are you talking about? That's a decent card. No, it's horrible. It's a horrible card in Tauntaun list. Don't take it in a Tauntaun list. Take push. It's horrible in Tauntaun list. Don't I mean, if you're ordering your Tauntauns anyway. Uh, anyway, bad. All right, anyway, go on. I mean, it's better than than uh, covert observation. Everything's better than covert observation. <laughs> sabotage communications is that the other one? It's better. Is than, better. It's better than evasive maneuvers. Yo, sabotage communications wrecks new ways to motivate them. I don't know about wrecks. Yeah, it does it full on cancels one of their half the command cards effect? Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. Sabotage communications is way better than covert yeah, observation. I mean, you should, you should kill clankers too, but but, but when, clones five. So when, when you ever have like a, a spare one pip slot for a card that only orders an operative or a special forces in a in a rebel list, mm-hmm. that card that card might be okay in a CIS list. Frankly, actually, that might not be bad in my in my Yavin. Yavin oh, it'd, be, it'd be great in a CIS list. Yeah, because you really don't care what you're giving your main order to because you're just uplicking everything else. Sabotage is fine in like a Sabine list. Yeah, I'm running Sabine with three Mandos. It actually, yeah, (laughs) it actually wouldn't be that bad. Run, I mean, you probably Uh, run Blast Off anyway, but yeah, you run Blast Off or it's not better than Blast Off. Crash out or coordinated bombardment or whatever commander you're actually running. There's a million. There's a million one pips that are better than. All right. Anyway, let's talk about team league. Good round this round. 
Yeah, we actually we actually we are now one and one. So did you go four and one or three and two? Because my four and one, it's not, it's one. not correct in the chat. Okay, yet. I gotta fix it. Uh, that's probably because I haven't reported my game yet. Yes, um, you did not. I forgot. And you haven't car tro- and you haven't you having car troubles today, so I didn't want to like yeah, <laughs> pester you about it. <laughs> I'm still having car troubles. I don't I don't know where my car is right now, so it is what it is. Um, but yeah, Dude, where's my car? <laughs> like really though. Dude, where's my crate? But no, Team League went went well this week, or these last two weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, so we definitely got to pull out this last one to have a chance at making the. There's there's a situation I think where we win this last match, and we still don't make it to the finals, yeah. depending on how the stats shake out. It all depends on the head to head, and is there is there a two and zero in your group? Yes. Yeah. yeah Colorado. So, yeah. so if they go three and zero, that means there's only one spot left. Yeah, there's a situation brewing where there's potential where there's three two and ones and it becomes hectic. But yeah, uh, it becomes a it's it's <laughs> it's it's a rare situation. Um. So yeah, I mean, we got some good matchups this round. Um, we were able to pair a lot better this round. Um, I also think that our list, well, at least specifically for me. My list makeup definitely played better than my round one list makeup because I tried to put a square peg into a round hole on round one. And um, Mando's releasing kind of helped that where I could play a skew list while letting the other list be built, but also be strong to how I play Legion. Like, you know, bring a big bid, bring objectives that play, play how I play the game, you know, play the Mando's like skirmishers and just tank some shots. And, you know, as long as they live, we're good. Um, whereas like round one where I had, you know, I played the Obi-Wan list that was just not good because it didn't have any overwatch in it. And I had no way of insulating him and stuff like that. Um, you know, so a lot of, you know, like the biggest takeaway from Yavin is just make sure that you get, you know, five lists that you're comfortable playing and getting, you know, matchups that you feel strongly about, which I thought we did this round and hopefully, you know, this upcoming round, we can do the same. All the series have been really close, except for one. I mean, there's like there's like one five and zero in the entire league, which is actually kind of heartening. I was hoping that there wouldn't be that I did made these groups kind of fair, and they seem to be shaking out pretty fairly. A lot of close races. It's good. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, you guys got any final thoughts? Any plugs? We Check got out. time to play some squadrons. <laughs> Maybe TBD. TBD uh, for me. So the answer to that is, if we do have time for squadrons, I'll put it at the end of this video. If okay. we don't, it won't be there. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out. All right. I need, I need to match us with uh, Darth Thomas if he's still around, and then I should be able to get a run or two in. So we'll see. I'm a, I'm a strong maybe. Don't can't sit it out, man. We're we're three for three. We gotta go four for four. Do you not? Yeah. Anyway, I know it's a lot of it's a lot of capital you're spending. I get it. (laughs) Capital, you say? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, we are we are the notorious squadrons podcast. (laughs) I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. I'm icy hot. 
Now we all got to come up with call signs, man. Putting the pressure on here. <laughs> um, we'll see you next week. <laughs>